This is the Formation Lab. Welcome one, welcome all to the Traveling Circus, officially known as the Formation Lab Podcast, broadcasting here from our respective basements and living rooms to the globe that is also in their basements and living rooms. I'm Luke. I'm joined as always by Tim. Tim, how are you doing this week? I am better than I deserve, sir, and I think that is the most accurate description you've ever given us to open this show. (laughs) We are a traveling circus. We're just a bunch of dancing monkeys. Yeah, um, I... I think there might be some traveling coming up here uh, pretty soon um, for the podcast. So we might have to, as much as we would like to get back into the uh, into the studio, which is just, I always said this, just a couple weeks away, we're back in the studio. Uh, I think we're going to go get back in the studio and then I'm going to like go on like a little retreat out to like a log cabin or something <laughs> just to be outside for a while. And then you all will be stuck with me. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's okay, everybody. Uncle Tim's got you covered. Yeah. I will have some fun. We'll tell some stories and everything will be well. But, Luke, it's been an eh week in, in motorsport news. Um, you know, iRacing got a little bit of a shakeup. Uh, NASCAR's back and has been kind of fun. It's been. It's cool just to see something live again. Jesus. Yeah, the Coke Six Hundred was a little bit of a letdown for the race. The end was interesting with Chase Elliott shooting him, in, shooting himself in the foot. But um, I just, I Darlington's a special track. So like, obviously, those two races at Darlington were pretty entertaining, um, and you were just reeling for a letdown with a six-hour race at Charlotte. But uh, NASCAR's back, and you know what? It's been uh, it's been somewhat entertaining. But other than that, yeah, meh race, I re- uh, meh week for racing meh week for racing but you know we've got some other stuff to dance around there are some bigger topics coming up and uh yeah and i will uh be giving uh the preamble to my first book review here on the podcast look at that tim's book tim's book club (laughs) tim's book club that's right follow me ladies and gentlemen i will give you the premiere reading of uh, the world of motorsport. Currently, I will be starting, since I just got it in the mail, straight from Britain, probably covered in COVID, My Greatest Defeat by Will Buxton. It's a compilation of interviews from different drivers, such as Prost, Sonardi, Unser, Sainz, Damon Hill, Franchitti, Derek Bell, uh, Emerson Fittipaldi, Felice Felipe Massa, Jackie Stewart, Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, Mario Andretti, Mika Hakkinen, Nikki Lauda, Rick Mears, Sebastian Loeb, and Tom Christensen. So it has some pretty, pretty big titans of the motorsport world um, at large. So it's not just focused on one thing. But um, Nikki Lauda always said that uh, you're, you never learn anything when you're winning. You learn when you're losing. And so something about your greatest defeat, I'm excited. I think I yeah I, I would like to read that once you're done if you want to send that infected book my way so absolutely, absolutely. It comes from the UK so guaranteed to be uh, coughed on by Boris Johnson thanks to everyone across the pond for that yeah um, but <laughs> I, uh, I tell but, you what I'm, oh, go ahead but I but one thing I will say is that this is a hardcover book I bought mm-hmm. it off of the book depository which is an awesome website in Europe um, and and there's no like dust cover like we you always get the dust cover that's kind of hard to handle on the new uh new books this is just sealed straight on i like this thing that's that's great i i hate dust covers honestly like they're they're great for art but like just just 
put it on the book. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's exactly what they did. So you know, good show, chap. Uh, good show, chaps. Good show. Uh, good show. Yeah, I was gonna say chapeau, but I'm like, I, did I go to France out of nowhere? Am I going to Renault to talk with Cidelibidemur? Chapeau uh, isn't that that like a drug lord from Mexico? <laughs> the Chavez, but yeah. I was thinking um, about Chapo, but Chapo, Chapo, El Chapo, El Chapo, El Chapo? is that a guy? Name. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> he killed a lot of people. <laughs> he I mean, did, but that little rascal, he kept getting out. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I'm excited to read that book, and uh, and um, I, I I know that uh, you and I, I don't think we have it this week. Much to the mercy of my heart, because oh, it just kills me to talk about it. But uh, it does look like. Renault is leaning a very specific way for their second seat. Uh, doesn't it though? I, I before we get into these sad into these sad news or frustrating news, can I tell the people what our plans for the next couple weeks are? Because I'm excited because IndyCar is back, which means next week. This week we're going to talk primarily Formula One. Next week we're going to do some IndyCar previews, and I'm excited for that because IndyCar is going to be back, and we're going to give kind of a, a shakedown on like what the season will look like for them. Deep dive IndyCar. I am absolutely thrilled to, to put formula one on the back burner for a while. I'm, I'm kind of tired of it. And, uh, <laughs> but to, to bring out IndyCar cause I'm, I'm proud of that series for everything they did with iRacing and to bring racing back is just, I am so pumped uh, to see new garden, to see pegs, to see uh, you know, everybody out there. So it's going to be great. It will be great. Uh, we're going to talk about the season is shortened. They've changed, obviously, a lot of the dates, the locations, the races. Who's that helped? And who is that uh, Who's that help? And who does that hurt? And we're going to talk kind of um, on the new balance between roads and ovals that they have and the new, you know, this driver favors these three tracks at the end of the season much more. Um, with the help of an IndyCar media guide, it's going to – be able to light that thing on fire for the first time in 2020 and really highlight all my pages. So I'm excited, but first formula one kind of had the biggest news of the day. So you want to get into, <clears throat> do you want to get into formula one or do you want to get into a short little story about iRacing? You know, Luke, I want to get into a story about iRacing because this story is first and foremost, absolutely stupid <laughs> this is just about the dumbest thing you could ever possibly do well don't tell that to kyle larson yeah that was pretty dumb that was pretty dumb there have been some pretty dumb things but uh with this iRacing thing but here's the thing i think it creates opportunity i think we're going to see some new drivers come up and we're going to have some fun because idiots are uh proving darwin right uh, they always tend to do that, don't they? <laughs> they do. They do. But uh, this one does not come from the world of Formula One. This is, does not come from the world of IndyCar, and it doesn't come from the world of NASCAR. Luke, what what possible motorsport discipline could this barrel of shenanigans have come from? Um, Supercross? No, no, no. Um, dirt track? No. Um, stadium even, super trucks? Stay, are we going? Are we going deeper than for stadium super trucks. Um, I'm going to base it off the look. Was it? Is it Formula E? Oh, that's it. <laughs> that that would be the one. Formula E. 
Formula E had a spectacularly stupid uh, thing this week where a gentleman, and you know what, Luke, Let, let's just, let's cue it now. Let's give him, let's give him his award. All right. Here, presenting your award for Daniel Abt. Here we are. It's time for Connor Daly's Yikes of the Week. Yikes. Thank Congratulations. You, Connor. I love hearing that every single time. But this week, the award goes to Daniel Act. He has been uh, caught cheating on his iRacing. And this isn't like a cheat where you would think of with iRacing where you have some high-end hacker come and make your car faster and or you know do something like that to the car. No, no. Apt went and got a different iRacing guy, a professional iRacer, to do that section of the of the event. He tilted his camera so you couldn't see his face, but it was the <laughs> other guy. And um I like what? You did what? And he just, so, <laughs> he just swapped himself out. He pulled a top gear stig. <laughs> you know that's fine on Top Gear. They're goofing around. This is your job. And so he swapped in this 18-year-old kid, and both of them found out that shenanigans like this come with real-world consequences. Daniel Apt has been uh, summarily sacked by his Audi team, uh, who probably went back to the boardroom and questioned their own life choices after they had let someone with such clearly negotiable morals into their house. Um, after, you know, because Audi is owned by Volkswagen and Volkswagen's had a real blast these last few years with, uh, you know, lying to the public. And uh, then the iRacing kid got dropped by his iRacing team. So good on both of you. A pox on both your houses. (laughs) It's it's so silly because, like, there there are two thoughts that I have with this iRacing thing, with with this situation, right? And it's it's – goof on him for both of these right one um on one hand this is officially like sanctioned by formula e you know so it like this isn't if if you know steve chomsky just went on iRacing and streamed it and replaced him with a ringer driver it'd be sketch but you could be like, ah, hey, it was all a laugh, whatever. It's it's just, you know, a stand, you know, just entering lobbies and racing. It's whatever, right? This is officially sanctioned by your governing body. So they, they, yeah, yeah. And, and no one is taking it seriously. That's the other no thing one. is no one's taking it seriously. So, like, wh- if you win, whoop-de-doo. <laughs> or if you crash out, who cares? Whoop-de-frickin-do. You know, Lando took out Charles Leclerc's little brother in Monaco and everybody laughed at it. And then, uh, you know, Lando felt bad. So we texted Charles. And, and Lando took out Charles Leclerc. I think it, uh, in lawnmower racing too, if I remember right. <laughs> probably. Um, because you know, that's the world we live in now, but, uh, Lando being the, uh, little men she is decided to, uh, text Charles Leclerc who read it. He goes, Lando, 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 three texts from Lando. He's like, sorry, tell your brother I'm sorry. I truly didn't mean to. I know. Of course I know. Because he knows that Lando is a good guy. They're just trying to race. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. – I love the Formula One kids. They are they are a bright, uh, 
bright beacon in my day for the future of racing, but Formula E needs to clean its act up. Yeah, well, and this is like, this sucks for Formula E, because like, for Formula One to have, or IndyCar to have a scandal hurts it. But Formula E is still one of those leagues that's trying to, you know, claw its way up the relevancy and rank, right? Um, and they've been doing a good job, but, like, this is the last league that needs it. It's the last discipline that needs a silly controversy like that. Um, and I want to say, too, that drivers in racing sims, nobody judges drivers in racing sims who can't get a hold of it because every professional driver who drives a sim goes, yeah, it's kind of hard and, like, you just don't have a feel – Daniel Eft hopped in, lost control, and crashed. Everybody go, well, you know. <laughs> well, at least it was funny. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just about the dumbest possible thing. And here's uh, the thing, too, is I'm looking at his, his ranks, right? Eighth, fifth, and seventh in the three years of Formula E. The fourth year, of course, being 2019-20, uh, hasn't really been. He's in 17th, but we're not going to count that because it's in the middle of it hiatus whatever you want to call it eighth fifth and seventh you're not exactly you know lighting the world on fire lighting the exactly uh you're not gonna have teams mr apt would you would you please answer your you know, answer your door we have a contract for you you're gonna go back uh probably no, that that is true but there is a current formula one driver who was a formula e driver Ooh, do tell uh, I'm actually going to make you guess. Am I going to have to guess? Don't Google it. I can see it. <laughs> I can see you doing that. Uh, let's see. Is it somebody Somebody on the latter half of the field? Nope. No? Um, what? Front Sorry. end of the field. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, wouldn't be... Let's see. I'm trying to think here because I have not paid attention to Formula E at all. Uh, you put me on the spot here. Is it? Is it, it is Alex Albon? Oh, I was gonna say. I was gonna be. I was trying to decide Albon or Leclerc because I'm not really sure what Leclerc made a stop. Ferrari was bringing Leclerc yeah. through no matter what. And um, my my other guess would have been um, that Carlos Sainz did something before he came up in a brief stint in Formula E. But Albon, I can see. Albon, uh, because last year was, and I know we all forget, his first year in Formula 1. His rookie, yeah, so his rookie season. That was his rookie season, and he got promoted straight to a sharp team and got punted by the world champ. Um, but, no, it was Alex Albon in his efforts to uh, gain traction again in his Formula 1, or toward his racing career, he did take a job in a seat in Formula E. So, um yeah, that's awesome. Happy forms, but but Daniel Apt might think, oh, there might be a seat in you know some cool prestigious you know series somewhere else. But he probably didn't think that. He was probably just being stupid. Thought, hey, I might be able to win something, and took an ill-advised choice. Let's see. He t- uh, yeah, he uh, yeah, he was. Uh, it looks like he was with E Dams. Uh, yeah, Renault Edoms with uh, for, in Formula E 2018-19. He raced. Doesn't it actually looks like he just tested a few times? Oh, yeah, uh, looks like he, yeah tested tested with uh, yep. yeah yeah. So it's a it's a freaking you put me on the spot here and you're like hey, well, he tested like twice with, with Renault. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> I try. 
Um, but but uh, anyway, yeah, Daniel Apt, uh, congratulations on Yikes of the Week uh, for cheating in a useless online sim, grabbing a, you know, uh, grabbing a, a ringer driver. It, moron. <laughs> and he didn't even try that hard. <laughs> he put himself there, cameras right there, and his face is clearly obscured, but that's it. like... <laughs> Which is more, oh. which is more questionable because if you're streaming, why would you obscure your face? <laughs> right, or you know, oh my god, it's so stupid. But you, that is our yikes of the week. Yeah, you want to talk about some fun news? Let us. All right, uh, the 2021 rules, according to F1, have officially gone through. They're officially official. Okay. Um, the budget cap is reduced and we're going to get the meat of our episode. We're going to talk about the budget cap uh, in just a bit. Uh, Yeah. You, you took a look at the outline you go, Ooh, Uh, but first we're going to talk about the new sliding scale for arrow testing. And I hadn't heard much credible talk around this until it was announced this last night, basically for us, Uh, Tim, I just want to, Say, have did you hear a lot about this prior to this night, or am I just looking at the wrong places? I honestly, Luke, I had seen one or two rumors on like less than reputable sites that someone threw up on like Reddit, mm-hmm. and you know, I didn't put, I I saw something, but I didn't lend any credence to it. I would lend as much credence to that as I would, uh, you know, Michael Schumacher has re- miraculously recovered from his thing and is actually going to be with on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, so. Um, you know, that I kind of put it in that category. So it, so for both of us, then it kind of came out when it said sliding scale for arrow testing, both, I, I imagine both of us were like, really? And it's the big new rule. Uh, obviously they reduced the budget from 175 to $145 million. That's official, official now. It was reported like here in a bit because yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. It was reported about two weeks ago, but the new sliding scale for arrow testing. And this really has to do with the amount of, uh, wind tunnel time that teams get now this year or last year uh you basically yeah in 2021 the arrow testing will be limited to 40 runs a week which is a 30 percent reduction um from last year where you got about uh, 60 uh, wind tunnel runs per week but moving forward the team's Closer to the back of the pack will get an increase in wind tunnel t- testing time and the teams at the front will get a noticeable decrease in amount of times they can run the wind tunnel per week which is uh, honestly a very american style of of rule um the hopes here are that if you're you know in last place you get an advantage to help you catch up to front place in front place it's a lot harder to maintain being in first and this is all based off of not weekly results but year-end results for the constructors tim how do you like this idea as just how do you like this as an idea like i think i think both you and i are fans of this I, idea I would and we we talked about this a bit before the show i really really think this is exactly like the the amateur player draft for uh major league baseball and for football i don't know I, i'm not as familiar with hockey's draft hockey hockey's draft is is, is very similar one. to like the NFL. So, yeah. exactly so essentially what happens is you know uh, the governing body says to the the top teams you can't have the top end stuff all the time we're going to give the other guys the guys that didn't do as well 
more time or more benefit to gain and build moving forward. It's a, it's the sports way of trying to reinvigorate uh, the bottom tier of uh, their competitors and to, uh, you know, it's, you know, to the victor go the spoils, but you have all the spoils and no one has anything else now. So this is now something that has to happen to allow your competitors to get some kind of edge because the gap, and we're going to talk about this here in a bit when we talk about the budgets, the gap between the top end, the sharp end of the field and the lower end of the field is so wide Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's just, it's, there's no practical way anybody can compete on a daily basis. And that is to the detriment of the fans really. Um, if so, I wanted to watch class racing, I'd go watch IMSA or WEC or you know touring cars. I wouldn't go watch Formula One because what you get right now is it's more or less class based racing. Um, it is. At you this have point, the, the field, the midfield, and the back, bar- back burners, and they're competing with each other, but they're not competing with the other. They're competing within their class. They're not competing with the other classes. And yeah. that that being said, I mean, like I. Obviously, I love Formula One, but it is—it's a big problem, and especially one that new fans struggle with. Is well, there's just no hope if I'm a Haas fan, is there? Uh, which, but there is. There is. Now, yeah. Not only is there parity in the amount everybody can spend, there is actual uh, competitive balancing in yeah. the testing. So let's, uh, I'm thrilled with it. I, I think, think this is one of the best ideas they've got. I think so, too. Uh, let's talk about the specific percentages, all right? So this will be based off of 40 runs per week. That's your baseline, right? In 2021, if you, are in, if you finished first place the year before, so this year, right? In 2021, you'll get 90% of that time. So that'll be uh, 36 times, right, uh, per week. Spot two, 92.5%. 95% for spot three, 975 then 100% for spot five. And then as you go to spot six, they actually increase the baseline amount of time. So uh, 106 per, or six places, 102 and a quarter percent, 105, seven, 107.5, 110% for ninth place. So they get to run uh, in addition, like 44 times. And then 10th and forward is 112%. And then those penalties and bonuses get really steep the year after where then all of a sudden, if you're in first place, you only get 7% and it's a 5% increase going down the field. So 70% of your of your uh, 40 runs per week is what you would get in first place in 2022. And that's, that's a formidable, that's a formidable punishment. And, One of the things I like and that really Formula One has this baked in their rules, which is very nice, is you get tanking issues in a lot of sports with drafts, right? The MLB has a big problem with it. The NBA does. Um, Some places use draft lotteries, which is another conversation for another time, which is what the NFL does. But basically, if I can finish third to last and get the third best pick, I'm not going to get the playoffs. But that's probably as good as I'm going to get. Or I can just be the worst get the you know get the first pick or get the most wind tunnel testing time and just be you know and if i try to be bad i can improve my chances for the next few years through bonuses like wind tunnel testing but f1 is great in that there's no points advantage the only way you're going to score the only way you're going to finish behind people is if the people in front of you get that 1 point in 10th place or whatever right mm-hmm. um so 
if you're Williams, you're not fighting for 10th place, right? Williams can still push as hard as they can with the knowledge that they're still going to get 115% wind tunnel testing time. Yep, they can. And, you know, the, I think the trouble will become whether, they, whether or not they'll be able to take advantage of it. Mm. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. We, we have to dive more into the budgets with that. Yeah, we'll dive into the budgets. I'm going to multiply here. That's a great segue, and I'm going to ruin it. Williams will get <laughs> – Williams will get – I'm trying to do the actual, like, freaking math here, and it's not letting me. All right, Williams will get a good chunk of testing time. I was trying to multiply it, you know, 115, 40, blah, blah, blah. I I I ruined your – I ruined that segue like the inventor of segue ruined his life on a segue. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's a rough way to go, but that's okay. I'm all right with it. I'm a, I can roll with the punches. It's fine. But the other thing that was decided, Luke, and I'm going to put the hammer into this one, is that um, they decided the budgets. The budgets came down, and they keep going down. They keep going down. So in 2021, the budget will be $145 million, But moving forward with that 2022 and forward, they will keep decreasing in budget until such a time as they readdress it. And I got to imagine by like 2025, they'll start to address like, okay, now we need to tie the budget to revenue, a percentage of revenue, like all the other sports with salary caps. Um, Because you can't just have to keep going down ad infinitum, but they're tight right now. Let me tell you, they are 145 million is buckle up your bootstraps because it you're gonna have to save every last penny and like tim when we brief when we like buckle down you know in our personal finances i mean what are we saving like 10 15 percent tops like of money that we can really we're seeing go in and out you'd be doing well to do that right these teams and tim if you'll scroll down scroll down in just a second here I've calculated the what $145 million is as a percentage of their 2019 budget. And mm-hmm. if you would if you would take a look at some of these percentages. I just, I just, it's just – so the, the numbers that stuck out to me. So I've always – I haven't seen the most recent numbers. And, I, you know, Luke was able to pull the budgets for, I believe that is 2019. Yeah, and I, I will say that depending on your source – the budgets can fluctuate 10 to 20 million either way. But, and so, but I I think this is close. That's about in the middle of where I've heard, Mm -hmm. but to just see the numbers from 2019, uh, for example, let me just, I'll just roll down the list. Screw it. Um, 2019 budget for Mercedes or actually, you know what? I'm going to start at the bottom. Let's go with Williams. Williams total budget for 2019 where they were literally flying in with car parts in the helicopter because they couldn't get it in on time <laughs> was $132 million. Um, uh, Toro Rosso, uh, or now Alpha Tauri, is, was $138 million. So for $6 million more, Alpha arguably did a whole lot more. Um, Alpha Romeo, for $3 million more than that, uh, was $141 million for the entire year. So the bottom three teams are well within this new parameter. Um, and they're actually well within each other. You know, it's about $9 million that uh, differentiates the two or the three. And that's, that's a pretty decent spread in terms of sporting money. Then we jump up to the midfield. Haas, 
comes in spending $173 million. Now, I don't know how much of that was brought in by sponsors, but I'm assuming that this was just their total budget. Uh, Racing Point, $188 million. They used to be lower down in the spending, uh, but that's, uh, that's some uh, Papa Stroll money. And then we start going up in several orders of magnitude. McLaren spent $269 million last year. Um, and I think that'll surprise everyone because Renault outspent them for $272 million and arguably got their faces wiped on the tarmac. And then we come to our top three where everybody knows there's hilarious money. Red Bull bringing in third, clocks in at a weight of $445 million for the year. Ferrari, our middleweights, $463 million. <laughs> and the big Mac daddy, the big, the one who ruins them all, outspends them all by several orders of magnitude. At $484 million, we have Mercedes. Ah, the Kings. It, the Kings. I wonder how much of that goes to Lewis. <laughs> uh, $480 million. Probably. And the other four is for Toto. And Probably. they just, they, they have, they have but, like interns build their cars. They do. <laughs> they do. But, um, but that was the 2019 budget. So you can see spending is a bit of an issue. Mm-hmm. And where, even if, even yeah. if the money is slightly off, that gives you an idea of the ballpark and the spending is an issue. One thing you pointed out coming in is if you just take Mercedes and add Ferrari, like, that's almost a billion dollars with a B for two teams. For two teams. And everybody wonders why they're lapping everyone else. Yeah. It's because their budgets are quadruple what everyone else's are. And Daimler's already shown a lack of appetite to continue down that path. Ferrari is probably going to uh, diversify their racing portfolio, which they should do anyway. Um, and then you're going to see other teams come in here. I think everybody from McLaren on down is going to do pretty well. I think so too. So what I want to do, Tim, is I want to go through the field and I'll let you decide up top or down low, start bottom to top or top to bottom. But I want to go through, go through the field. Because I think your, your calculations are impressive. We'll go bottom to top. And I want to figure out who wins and who loses as a result of a budget cap? Because it, you might think, well, if you're just you know shrinking your budget, you're a loser. But certain teams are more losers than others, whereas I think other teams, because of their internal methodology and the way their corporate structure works, are going to be just fine and still be front runners. Um, so we're going to start at the bottom. And with these bottom teams, the question is, are, do they win are they winners or losers? Do they come out positive or negative because of the budget cap? And two, the bottom teams especially, are they going to spin to that $145 million budget cap? So let's start with number 10, Williams, $132 million. Like we just said, $145 million, uh, the budget cap next year would be 109.84% of their current budget. So they'd have to look at about a 10% budget increase to hit the cap. So Tim, first question, do they spend to the cap next year? Yes. And here's why. I think that Williams will secure more sponsorship touting their new 
uh, influx loan from Latifi. Mm. So I think that they will be able to float kind of what they're, uh, they're wanting to do and have a good direction moving forward. And I think Claire might actually pull this out of a nosedive. And I think if they're if they just tell, you know, the, uh, the investors look in two years, we are so close to the cap. If you can just get us there now, we can be competitive and your name will be on a competitive car. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll be very interesting. I think so too. I think I would agree. I think they do end up spending to the cap. Williams, it, it's a, it, for me, and I'm looking at this in a sheer financial light, right? You're familiar with their concept of return on investment, right? Williams are $13 million away from the cap right now, right? From what would be the cap. Um, if they threw $13 million at their budget, right? They'd be right now, they'd be ahead of alpha, but they would still be in last place, right? So there's no point, there's no return for them to spend that extra $13 million, right? Yeah. But when you're every team can spend to $145 million, that return suddenly can put you in the midfield of other teams that are going to be hurt a lot by this. Williams, can't make guarantees that they're going to be in the front of the pack, but they can be make guarantees that they might be able to get some points here and there. They can, they can really attract some sponsors. And I think the return on an investment of that $13 million to get to the cap is much higher with a salary cap when everybody's forced to come down to your level than right now. Exactly. They're closer and they're in better shape. They're leaner to be able to fill out a little bit rather than teams that are having to cut out massive amounts of fat let's move on to toro rosso or alpha tari depending on what you're calling it in 2019 their budget tim 138 million dollars you just said that that would be a 105 percent uh budget to get to 145 so around a five percent budget increase do they spin to the cap so i think we we determined that williams was a winner from this, right? Yes. Williams was a winner. Williams will spend to the cap. I don't think Alpha Tower moves. In fact, I think they get their budget decreased by Red Bull. Ooh. You think so? Yep. I Because I want to say that Toro Rosso spins to the cap because Red Bull has 300 and some odd, 300 million roughly to burn. Why wouldn't you put another uh let's see what is that seven million dollars you know what you're right they probably could and they're looking to diversify and alpha tower is their effort to sell their clothing brands so no you're right i i actually i take that back they could just spend to the cap just like the others i because i think that having red bull come down to the cap they might just get to the point where alpha tower is racing last year's red bull which I think is what makes them, even though they're going to spin to the cap, I think that makes them a loser. It's because every other team under this salary cap is looking out for themselves, even though Haas is aligned with Ferrari, even though Williams is aligned with Mercedes, right? Every other team looks out for themselves. Toro Rosso, AlphaTauri are not looking out for themselves. They're not priority numero uno in their own building. And I think that makes them a loser. That makes them, you know, a, a notable disadvantage that they can overcome at this point, but not when everybody's on the same footing. I agree. That's actually a really good point. Next up. 
Alpha. Um, as I said, I don't think Alpha's staying. I think they'll revert back to Sauber. Um, because if, if COVID did anything, it's probably crushed Alpha Romeo, the mothership. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even though that was the writing was on the wall about that before, um, I think they end up losers. And Stand. because I don't think while they are a Ferrari feeder team, they won't Ferrari won't doesn't have any marketing advantages to this team. Mm. They don't have any re, they have beyond sending um, you know, Fred Vasseur and you know, a few engineers, they re, they don't really do any cross pollination with the team. So unless there's a there's a much more uh, in-depth conversation and they become Ferrari 2.0 where, you know, they actually become the Ferrari junior team. They won't be doing much. I can, I can see that. I think, I think they also don't spend to the cap because I don't think alpha alpha is going to have to change hands at some way, shape or form, right? Mm -hmm. They don't spend to the cap immediately. They only spend to the cap once they change hands. So I think their budget of 141 million, which as of now, if that's if they can just maintain that, that's close enough for them. Um, but it's also the St. Louis Blues did this in the 90s. Uh, when you're looking to sell a team, right? Uh, it's a big ask for somebody to buy a big team, right? So you cut a little bit of fat out here, you cut a little bit of you know your splurgy spins there, and now all of a sudden it's like, look, we can sell you this team for 10 million dollars cheaper than you know what you what what you were uh, looking for um so i think alpha is a loser and i don't think they spend to the cap until they change i agree and we will see what happens i don't know what happens with alpha they they are this uh this question aren't they a big question, they are mark. question mark this is one i think we're going to disagree with next speaking of question marks okay um possibly disagree with Haas F1, their budget is $173 million, so they would have to spend only 83% of their current budget to meet that cap, right? So a reduction of 17% or something like that. Uh, I think that Haas, despite being grossly mismanaged, or I don't want to say mismanaged, but just chaotic, chaotic in the summer. Right. Misstaffed. You have engineers who aren't there to design. They're there to put ordered parts together. Mm -hmm. I think despite that, I think they end up winners. And I will come back to to address that. Okay. All right. Cool. And here's why. I think Gene Haas has a bad taste in his mouth. Gene Haas doesn't like getting his ass kicked. Um, And he would take his toys and walk away. But seeing this... Might be like, so you're telling me, Gene Haas, that you're going to bring these guys down to almost where I'm at, and I can actually trim a little bit where I need to trim, keep my business model, and maybe take it to them? All right, I'm in. And Gene Haas is enough of a racer to know that he's not going to get wins all the time, but he'd be happy with competing, you know. He'd be happy with a podium. Right, he'd be happy with that. He's a he's a racer's kind of guy. He's a racing kind of guy, so he knows how much that means. And I think this incentivizes him to stay in as well because he knows, like you said, 
they got to come down and play on his home court now, right? They got to come to his town in front of, you know, and play by his rules. Um, and then I look at the teams below him, below them, and Alpha, we just said, are losers. Toro Rosso uh, won't be the main focus of their own, you know, organization. Williams, I consider to be more mismanaged than Haas. I don't see a team below them that's going to jump them. No. Absolutely not. And I think I think they are actually primed currently to if they if they you know correct the trajectory, they might be overtaking Renault. I think so too. We'll get to Renault in a little bit. But first we got one of the more interesting cases here, which is Racing Point. Their $188 million budget, which you previously said, means that they'll only be able to spend 77% of their cash in the under the new spending cap. This is a question mark. Tim, are they winners or losers? We're going to presume they spend the budget from here on out. I, so, man, I just don't know. Cause they're switching to Aston. Mm-hmm. They still got Papa Stroll money. There's rumors that, Said might go there. Obviously, in Checo's spot. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know if they're winners or losers. I think they might be winners because it might bring them to the top end. They have that Mercedes engine. They're bringing on better engineers and kind of flushing out the the worst ones. It breaks my heart because those are the guys that made every single penny count and know how to make every single penny count when you're, you know, racing with no money at all, because that's what Force India did. But um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say winners because it might bring them into the front of the field. I'm going to say they're partial losers though, too, because they're bringing all of this money in with right at the same time, there's a budget cap, man, that, that big Aston Martin money would mean a lot more if you could spend more than $145 million. Right. <laughs> Well, it would if Aston Martin had a lot of money. Fair point. Or that Papa Stroll money, should I say. Would be a lot more. Papa Stroll money. And the funny thing to me is that Total Wolf has now been listed as owning a portion of Aston Martin. Mm. Huh. Interesting. I, You know, I can already predict the he's going to go to Racing Point rumors, but I honestly don't think Toto gets that stress. Like, Mercedes doesn't stress Toto as much as, like, Mattia Bonato is stressed by Ferrari or Gunter Steiner, heaven forbid, is stressed by Haas. Lord knows he's stressed by Haas, Haas rather. But I just, I, I, yeah, I, I think that uh, we're going to see the total wolf to racing point rumors. And I just, I don't buy them, even though I just think that's a financial decision, honestly. Yeah, it might be a financial one, but the top three are excused. So um, who knows what happens? Yeah, so I'm going to put a question mark. Uh, we're going to say Tim says they're winners. T, win. And I'll say that they're losers, and we'll come back and see who wins. Who who thinks that? McLaren are spending $269 million. Uh, that budget cap represents only 53.9% of their current spending rate. Do they win or do they lose Tim? I'll let you dissect this one first. I know my answer. I think we're going to have the same one. Um, I think they win. 
honestly. Um, I think it makes them winners. I think Zach Brown has something in mind. He was the one that was pushing for this so publicly, and he has the right attitude about it. I think he's going to cross-pollinate what I'm advising – or not advising, what I'm saying that Ferrari should do. Um, I think he goes to other disciplines. He starts, you know, kind of spreading out his investment with that money. He reallocates those funds. He doesn't just cut those funds. He reallocates it. And if they happen to learn something in another discipline that can help them in Formula One, hey, that's pretty cool. So I, I would agree. I think McLaren, I think when you look at the organizational structure they have there, like the corporate kind of mentality they have, when you look at a lot of the teams looking at you, Haas, Williams, Ferrari, um, they kind of have a winner's front office, if you will, right? Um, they have. And like an, a, a, man, a car manufacturer's front office with, with a privateer team's mentality. Mm-hmm. And I think that's awesome. I think Zach Brown will do something pretty cool. Renault, I'll answer the next one. Renault, $272 million. The, uh, yeah, the, the 2019 budget or the budget cap would represent 53.3% of their spending. Tim, you want to say it alongside me in three two, one, losers. losers. Oh, uh, boy. Because Sierra Le, Le Bidabal will say, uh, can we do the, the staffing and the hire more personnel? It, because Cyril Abitable, while he may be a nice guy, is not a business manager. Yeah. He... he Renault is the team to me that might be the biggest loser out of all this because I look at, again, I look at mismanagement. I look at sports that have but salary caps, right? And the teams that are consistently bad, right? Like the Edmonton Oilers in the NHL. They're either mediocre or bad and have been since the 80s. The common thread among those teams is that their front office just sucks and they can't move on from their front office people right? They have way too much faith in their GM that keeps giving them subpar, you know, subpar results, right? And I look at Cyril Abitabool and I see a front office that just delivers subpar results and a staunch refusal to move on. And when everybody plays with a salary cap, that is what really makes teams lose. And I think, you know, he'll make cuts in all the wrong ways. He He doesn't he, he moves the wrong drivers. He pushes in the wrong ways. You know, I know that the, the journalists that we admire uh, like him as a person because he's accessible and nice to them. But from a performance and a, and a pure decision-making standpoint, Cyril, come on. Yeah. I, I just – I can't see Renault getting this. I mean, when everybody mm-hmm. – Here's the thing, too, is they do less with that $272 million than McLaren does with a smaller budget, and arguably they get the same result that Racing Point does with a $100 million difference. If they get cut back to $145 million, there's no guarantee that they're going to spend that in any effective way whatsoever. Like you just said, they cut the wrong areas. They're going to go back to a, you know, you know who. I won't do it to you this week, but <laughs> Lord, Lord knows they yeah. might. That's probably going to happen. But what do I know? Tim, 
uh, I have the next one, and okay. I'll let you field this. I think they're going to be winners. Red Bull, $445 million. They have to cut their cap, and this is where we get the fun numbers. They have to cut their their salary back to 32% of their current spending rates. And I think they're going to do it. I think they will, honestly, they have been away from the top so long, but they've been right there. Like, so, ooh, just mm, right there. And I think I think you'll see the salaries of Newey, Horner, and Max exempted. I think Helmut Marco will take a more back seat to everybody else. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm excited to see what they do because they'll, they'll make some cuts and they'll make some adjustments. But, uh, you know, the, the branding and the awareness of the Red Bull name because of Formula One just can't be denied. Um, it can't be. I think so much more positively – of them as a company because of what they do in sports and extreme sports and racing than I did before when they entered, it was like a soft drink company. Really? Right. But they, they showed that, you know, they had the chutzpah to stay Uh and they had, you know, just the spine to put their money where their mouth is. You know, Dietrich Mateschitz doesn't do anything half-heartedly. There are no half measures with that guy. So I think you'll see some interesting things happen. I think you'll see Adrian Newey will probably keep taking a step back as he tries to, um, you know, expand artistically um, with his, you know, endurance racing with the Aston Martin Valkyrie with uh, some other items that he does on the side as well. But um, I'm, I'm excited uh, for Red Bull. I think of the top three competitors, they are the best uh, suited to make these kind of cuts. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, On to the next. This is going to be one of the, one of the longer, one of the more complicated ones, I think. Ferrari, they spend $463 million. Uh, That means they're going to have to cut their, their budget down to 31% of their current spending rate. I put that they're going to have a mixed bag. I agree. Um, I think, uh, initially, they will not do well with it. Um, Ferrari won't want to spend any less because that is their marketing budget. And they will probably span out into other uh, motorsport disciplines. That would be the smart move is to reallocate those funds. Mm-hmm. But um, again, it's Ferrari. So who knows what will happen? Uh, you know, they, they race with passion. Uh, they also sometimes race with... Um, you know, their, their hearts and not their heads. So. Yeah. I think that racing with your hearts and not your heads is why Ferrari are going to have a mixed bag. The plus side is they're going to diversify their portfolio. Fingers crossed. That's what it looks like. And that'll be great for Ferrari's brand. It'll be great for that. And we talked about having a quote unquote minor league system for engineers. Hey, start out in IMSA, work your way up to IndyCar and then take the best of those guys and move them to the Formula One team with what they know from those two series into Formula One, right? Yep. Great. That's huge. Like, exactly. It, just like you have with Helmut Marco feeding drivers, feed engineers. Mm-hmm. You have bright minds around the world in different disciplines that you could allocate there 
and have a problem thought of differently. Mm-hmm. So. On the other hand, though, I think Ferrari would not effectively spend the $145 million they allocate. And I think when everybody has, you know, the same amount of cash, um, racing with your head is much more paramount. And that race with your heart, you know, not your head, that is going to lose them some races more than it already does. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. So, so I, I agree. Mixed bag. And, um, yeah, I just don't know how it all goes um, for Ferrari. They're gonna, they're gonna be the ones that I'm worried about most. Uh, but I, I, I'm not. Yeah, the, the next one's probably gonna be a, a quick one. Yeah, Mercedes, four hundred eighty-four million dollars was their 2019 budget. My word, and they're going to have to spend 29.95 percent of that in 2021. Or the way I put it is for every $3 they spend now, they're going to have to cut $2 out of their budget, a little more than $2 out of their budget, which is insane. And here's what I think. I think Mercedes will sell. Really? Mm -hmm. Go carry on. I think think that they will sell. They will keep making the engines for, you know, they'll, they'll remain a supplier but I think that they will sell to someone like Ineos mm. and try to uh, kind of back out. Cause that's exact. They are pulling exactly what happened in the cycling world. So in the cycling world, there was this dominant team uh, sky. They were uh, sponsored by the uh, British telecom company that sponsors all the big F1 races. They are the ones who provide the F1 feed for anybody that's watching uh, ESPN or, uh, F1 TV Pro, they're the, that's who's on. Um, team Sky had an absolutely dominant team for all the grand tours of the cycling world. Sky got tired of, of winning all the time, and they had maxed out their exposure, they felt, and they decided to pull the plug. But they did so by selling the, the title rights to Ineos. Ineos was happy to do that, um, and they just – uh, started in with a 10% uh, influx in money with a $40 million uh, you know, right to be on the car. So they're on the wings and they're on the in- air intake above the driver's head this year in the car that we still haven't seen break uh, onto a, a racetrack beyond Catalonia. But um, I think that they sell and um, I think a lot of engineers go elsewhere. And this is why I think I think for me, Luke, what I'm going to say is that Mercedes is the big loser in this and everyone else is the big winner because they're going to have a lot of staff, specifically 1,200 people mm-hmm. that are going to probably be shining up their CVs, their resumes, and submitting them for consideration at other teams. And if anybody sees Mercedes on a Formula One CV, you're in. So um, it'll all work out in the end. It'll all come out in the wash. But I think for sure that uh, that's how the rest of the field wins. I think, I think actually I, I was going to say the opposite. I think that their staff, their staff, their corporate structures, et cetera, et cetera. If they can figure out who their needed guys are, as long as they have Toto Wolf and they keep the way that they efficiently run things, um, they keep that kind of corporate culture. I think 
that they can end up winners. I think they can still end up near the front of the field. Um, but you hit on something that I wanted to hit as we start to wrap up the show is Mercedes is going to have about 1,200 people that have their you know cover letters, their resumes, shinied up, printed on that fancy paper that you pay way too much for and uh, sent throughout the field. And if you're Williams and you have Steve Chumsky, mediocre engineer, who you're not, he you don't really want to fire him. He does a fine job, but he just does a fine job, right? Um, and you can replace him with a Mercedes guy at probably the same rate because Mercedes guy is unemployed and looking for work. Um, <laughs> you got to do that. <laughs> same for Toro, same for Alpha, Haas, Racing Point, McLaren. Haas, I think that's where they will spend their uh, budget um more <laughs> and uh you know the to get up to the cap that's probably where williams will spend as well that's pro williams will probably be the first stop given that they are a mercedes feeder mm-hmm. so um yeah it's a there could be very exciting times ahead and i think we'll call the movement of employment love in the time of coronavirus Ooh, do we have a title name do we have a title name there episode title love in the time of coronavirus <laughs> Love in the time of coronavirus. Uh, people are going to, our listeners are going to see that and be like, what are these two on about? I just knew these two were friends, but I didn't realize they were that close. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, um, but yeah, so um, I think that's what will happen. And uh, I'm excited, Luke. These are some cool regulations, and uh, I can get behind all of these. I can get behind these as well. It'll be interesting to watch. I would wager F1 is probably the most interesting sport in terms of how it's going to change over the next few years in the world. Uh, like the, the regulations they have here are so intriguing. They might be fantastic. I think worst case, they're going to be better. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Next week, we promise not as much F1, a lot more IndyCar as they gear up for the first round of the 2020 season in Texas, Tim and I are hyped. Uh, I'm going to just look through, you know, my stat sheets all week and be highlighting, Ooh, you know, we're not racing it, you know, Detroit Belle Isle, but you know who usually wins there. Exactly. So uh, I'm excited. This will be, this will be good. I'm excited to have an indie heavy episode. He'll be fun. Tim, uh, a pleasure as always. Where can they find you on Twitter? I am at Tim STL F1. I am at Formation Lap 101. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week. See ya.